It seems that the longer I live, the more I stand in awe of God. The more I read his word, the more I stand in awe of who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do one day. I stand in awe of his love and working with human beings who he has created in his own likeness. Human beings from the very beginning who had every blessing that God could give would choose rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Children of God who would forget what God has done for them, what he's doing with them, and what he hopes to do one day for them. As I read the book of Hebrews, there is that stark reminder to us of the love of God and the forgetfulness rebellion and the sin of man of whom even in their own lives had seen the absolute power of what God could do and did do for them. The writer of Hebrews is writing to those who had come out of a Jewish background more than likely Probably still living in Jerusalem, and then as a result of that, they're being persecuted to go back under Judaism, to go back under a way of life that they had known from their childhood, and not to follow this new way through Jesus Christ. So as you read that letter, and as you read any of the books that God has do you ever have it touch home and prick the heart and prick the soul he uses Israel in chapter 4 he's used them before in two and three as well as an example for us to consider how they were and again the time I read Exodus and the other accounts of it it's just I don't know <laughs> it touches the heart of people who physically saw with their eyes the power of God. And how many times do we say, if we could just see something, how much that would change our life. They saw the mighty power of God. 
they had experienced the slavery, the mistreatment, had that on their mind even as they left Egypt. And then shocking that as they're in the wilderness and have their freedom that they would prefer to have gone back to slavery. They saw the mighty hand of God and disbelieved. We have the mighty word of God. We have a completed record that until the end of the first century, no one of humanity had that. They had parts. They had bits and pieces. Sometimes we forget what was involved in the word of God coming to us. And it would not be until a thousand years later that a human being, an individual, would have the privilege of having their own copy of God's Word. But these people were willing to forget that and allow the situation in which they lived to harden their heart. Back in chapter 3 of Hebrews in verse 13, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Beware and departing from God and being deceived by the sin that does surround us. Going to chapter 4 as it begins. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith by those who heard it. Then as the reading began, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account.
The Word of God is describing as living. To us at times it may appear to be pen or ink and paper. Sometimes we have that tendency of taking it lightly. We say we have a love for it. Again, we have been blessed. I have not counted, so I do not know how many copies of the Word of God do I have. Do I see it as not paper in ink? Do I see it as being living? This is from the living God who had a tremendous love for us that he provided of his own free will a plan of redemption so that we one day could dwell with him eternally. But it is based upon how we respond to this. Do we see it as living? Do we understand it as being powerful? He uses a weapon that would be familiar to those of their day. That two-edged sword. I don't know what we would use. I do not know what we would use today. More powerful than the atom bomb. I mean, it is beyond description what is able to do. It is able. This word. To take an individual lost in the depths of sin. Utter rebellion against God. And to transform and to change that life. into being a child of a living God with the hope of heaven one day. Nothing else on the face of this earth can make that claim. We can legislate equality. We can legislate fairness. We can legislate responsibility towards one another. But none of that comes anywhere close to what living a life in the Word of God will do. Everything that the world seeks for, everything that the world is striving to achieve, all the laws and all the legislation that is passed, And that is not obtained, can be, by obedience to this living word. We look for all of those things that the world society does, the world in which we live, looking for all of that in the wrong place. We look among one another. We're looking for how we can establish this equality. And we forget that that comes from God. God created us in his own image, after his own likeness. 
And God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It's not looking among ourselves to solve our problems. It's looking to the God who's created us. And if we're going to look to the God who created us, the only way we can know about that God is through His Word. Do we have that hunger and that thirst for righteousness? Do we have a desire to want to meditate upon it day and night? Do we want to hide it deep within our heart? Do we want it to be reflected in the life that we live and the words that we express and the actions that we engage in as we encounter those who think contrary to what God would have them to do? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to judge sort of the to piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. A lot of discussion, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? God's Word can make that decision. Man wrestles with that. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I've often said, I believe that's one reason a lot of people do not. Do not take the time to want to know what God has said in His Word. Because it, God's Word, is able to judge your thoughts. said before, I see you here this morning. I know you're here. I do not know why you are here. Is it because of the love of God? Is it because of tradition? Is it because I don't want others to look down upon me? I do not know the thoughts as to why. But, God does. God knows those thoughts. He knows exactly why you do what you do. He knows exactly why you do not do the things you do not do. His word can cut as you read and as you study it. Love one another. Jesus said, as what? I have loved you. That's a life changer. That is a life changer. We can simply say, yes, I love everybody. I know it was Charlie Brown, the line is one of them used to say, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. Uh, we, can, we can do that. I love everybody. Do I love everybody as Christ has loved me? That puts it in a different category, does it not? To what length was Christ willing to go to demonstrate his love for me? Hmm. How far am I willing to go to show my love for you? He was willing to lay down his life for another. We catch rare glimpses of that by human beings once in a while, but it's still not to the degree or to the depths that Christ did for us. It knows my thoughts. It knows my intentions. I do things. <laughs> what is my intention? Why am I doing these things? Am I up here because that's what's expected of me? Are you sitting there because that's what's expected of you? What are your intentions? 
What are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to achieve? What are you wanting to gain? The Word of God will tell you and show you. Unless you're willing to lay down your life, Jesus said, what? You cannot be my disciple. God gave us a desire for life. What keeps us motivated is what keeps us going so many times is we want to live. We'll do whatever we can and we'll go wherever lengths we can do or go through in order that we may live. How much do we love life? How much do we love the life of others? What degree are we willing to go? The Word of God will show us. John would talk about in 1 John 3 and verse 16 and 17 to love one another as Christ has loved us. And then he says, if you see your brother in need and you do not help him, how can the love of God abide in you? How can it? If you see one in need and you're not willing to help, he said, how does the love of God abide in you? We were helpless. We were without strength. We had no hope. That's why Jesus came. So that we might have that. But you do not know what you're asking. God does. He knows what he's asking of us. He knows what we're capable of giving. He takes us where we are. He helps us to grow. We're not expected to have the maturity. We're not expected to have the perfection as we might perceive it in an overnight uh, process. It's lifelong. We learn as we go along. We learn more and more along the way. We learn to see each other differently as time unfolds. I'm not, and you're not, the same individuals we were when I first came here. Every single one of you have changed. And I don't mean just physically. Every single one of you have changed. I've changed. It's the way it's supposed to be. The Word of God reminds us that we're to grow, First Peter 3, 2 Peter 3 and 18, we're to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more I read about Him, the more He changes life. Again, that's why many people do not read or study or meditate upon the Word of God because it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. You're not going to be the person you are right now. Your direction is going to change. Your perspective is going to broaden. God's word is not a dead letter. 
It is living and is active. Peter reminds us over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 23 and following. Let's go back to 22. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 and following. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. All flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. And then I go on to say the type of life you ought to be living as a result of that. All the flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. It all withers and falls away. We can look at humanity and we see that. Those who lived their lives four generations ago, what do you know about them? Do you know what sacrifices they made? What they endured? I've mentioned before, uh, dealing with it, and, and even present day, we got those who like to go to estate sales. I do too if I find the right one. Some preacher who passed away. But you go to estate sales. Lived in farming country in southern Missouri. I used to talk to those farmers because they used to do that. Go to estate sales. I got relatives in Tennessee who do farming and they do the same thing. They go to estate sales. When they go to an estate sale and they're looking for a combine or whatever else that there is, a big John Deere tractor, the first question out of their mouth is not, nor does it has it ever entered their mind to ask the question, what did that farmer have to give up to have that tractor? What sacrifice did he make? What loan did he have to take out? I took out a loan. More than likely he did. But what did he go through to have that to have that tractor? What did he give up along the way? State sale, you're not asking that question. The only question you have is how cheap can I get the tractor? That's all you care about. I'm simply saying the man may have lived his life, may have worked from dawn to the dusk for 25, 30 years just so that he could have bought that tractor. You got to use it for three years and then die. You don't care about that. The flower of the, the works that we do are like the flower of the grass. It withers and it falls away and nobody recalls that. So what are you doing with your life? 
The only thing that you have that is eternal is your soul. That's it. Everything else you're going to leave behind. Then Peter goes on and says, ultimately one day, that's all going to be burned up in the tent seat anyway. It's going to be gone. The only thing you have that is eternal is your soul. The Word of God helps you in making those decisions along the way to be able to do indeed what God would have you to do. Judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom that we have to deal. God knows the deep secrets of your heart and your mind. Secrets that no one else may know about. Secrets that you have buried so deep that you may have forgotten about. God knows you. And the word of God says, as he knows you as you are, he wants you to be his child. And he provided the way for that to be done. He provided the way. And his love said, I'm always there for you. I love 15. Do you? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points are tempted as we are yet without sin. Along with 14, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, that Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Do you hold fast? God so loves you. He's so patient with you. But he does remind us, regardless of the depths of his love, regardless of the patience he has to work in our lives, regardless of what he's provided for us through his word, through the family, the choice is ours. And he does remind us Chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Until your death, you have the opportunity to make a change. When death comes, it's judgment. What will that be for you? God in his grace, God in his mercy, God in his patience. says, until that day, I love you, and I'll work with you, and I will help you. Will we respond to that love of God? You need to make a change in your life this morning. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together. We stand in the same.